Morning, Miss Evelyn. Good morning, Toby. How are you? Great. How are you doing on first of the week? Good. Another fast week just snapped right by, didn't it? Yeah. How's your overall temperament? Mm, my temperament? <laughs> uh, I think it's fine. What's your overall outlook? Pretty good. Pretty good. But it's Monday. <laughs> uh, Maybe bad by Friday. But no, not really. I'm just teasing. It's good. I uh, get ups and downs and highs and lows. I always thought I was immune to the psychological drag of a pandemic, but I'm beginning to think that it's uh, beginning to work on me. I sometimes wonder if we're ever going to get out of this. Oh, I do too. I think more now than ever, every once in a while, I think, you know, will we ever be doing what we were doing before? And I think it's really taken a toll on people and their in a reaction with each other. I got up this morning and I sat on the edge of the bed and I said, Joe, make me proud of you today. That's something new. That's scary. <laughs> That's scary. Uh, I don't know if I want to leave it up to myself to make me proud of myself. I understand what you mean. Yeah, me too. You know, we're on this weight loss program. I sail along and I gain some and I lose some, but uh, my weight today is the same as it was a week ago. So is mine, but I gained a couple of pounds during the middle of the week, and I don't know how I did that. But anyway, it's back down, so I have today to lose something for tomorrow. This is um, the best diet that I've been on, not as far as losing, but as far as not getting depressed if I don't lose, because this one is over such a good period of time that it really has affected uh, not getting down on yourself or just absolutely going off of it because you know you still have time to compensate. A lot of mine is uh, popcorn late at night, and that's uh, what I call false weight. It uh, dissipates pretty quickly. But also I'm losing inches. I feel that the uh, roll around my belly is getting smaller, and that has to be a plus. Ooh, I would think so. I haven't uh, noticed that yet. I still have to lay down on the bed and zip up my pants. When I don't have to do that, I'll join you with the the inches. You said something this morning whenever you got up. I said, hey, how's everything going? You remember what you said? No, I don't. You said that to me a while ago, and I know. It's the kind of saying that you say without even thinking and therefore, you don't remember. I said, how you doing? You said, another day, another dollar. Oh, my grandpa, Neil, used to say that all the time. My mom would ask him. He would come over three or four times a week, early in the morning, and just sit outside in the yard at my mom and dad's old house. But eventually, then he'd come in, and she'd ask him how things were going, and he'd say, another day, another dollar. So we've always said that at home. Mom and I especially have always said that. What would be the meaning behind that? I think you're in a rut. It's just another day and another dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I have no idea. I think you're exactly right. The pain farm never raised pigs, did they? Oh, yes. Oh, did you? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. my gosh. Made my nose just curl up then. Oh, yes. We had pigs down at my Grandpa Payne's house where my folks' house is now. Oh, yes. So bad. I mean, and so many that um, we always said my dad hated pigs because, one, 
they're just messy. <laughs> and they smell. And the smell, I mean, you if you ever get it in your house, it's like having a skunk run through your house. You just can't get it out. Memo used to make my pepper always remove his shoes and everything and leave them outside. Because if you brought those shoes in the house, oh yes, we used to have what you call one day a year we would butcher hogs. And we did it, then you could, outside, close to the barn. And we would butcher, oh, four or five at a time. My great aunt, my mamaw's sister would come out, her husband, and everybody would just gather in a family. Maggie, oh, Maggie was one of my favorite, Eddie. And um, the other family members, too. Uh, Not my uncle Howard and his wife, but... uh, Sometimes uh, John and Wilma would come down and all of us and we'd do all the butchering and wrapping it up and, and made pork rinds. Yes, and a great big old barrel with hot grease under it on a fire and cook those things up. Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. After you killed, cut them up, what did you do with them? We ate them. <laughs> you didn't eat them all. How did you store them? Oh, well, then you didn't have, you might have uh, a little freezer at home, I remember. But our big deal was that we had so much like that. You butcher a calf or uh, pigs and uh, everything else and froze things at home. Uh, We would take it then to the locker plant. We used to take it. And, uh, oh, I remember it as if it was yesterday. I can see it because it actually was one of those things as a kid absolutely freaked me out. Uh, I always had the fear of getting locked in there and couldn't get out because you had these great big doors. I always was afraid because you go in, it was so cold. But anyway, we would rent a great big uh, section of it and go in there. We used to go in every once in a while and get a whole basket full of meat and bring it home. And So we had everything in there. We had bacon, pork chops, hamburger, steaks, roasts, everything you could think of. How did you uh, slaughter your animals? I'm thinking I didn't get to that part. And probably, if I know my dad, probably wasn't allowed outside when that took place. Why? I don't know. My dad was very, uh, I loved the farm, and I loved seeing everything and how it worked. For a long time, let me go see, like I didn't, see a cow have a calf for a long time and things like that. I don't know, but I eventually did, yeah. Don't you think parents of that day kind of shielded the kids from certain aspects of farm life? I don't think they shielded kids. I think they shielded daughters. Mm. Daughters, I think, at that time were supposed to stay in the house and they helped mom. You, you helped cook, you helped clean the house, you helped fix dinner for the farmers when they were harvesting, things like that. The boys had to go to the field, and I wanted to go to the field. Yeah, I finally got to go to the field one time and loved it. We had uh, pig killing and pig butchering underneath the uh, sycamore tree uh, down in the pig pen. And we would go down and uh, Dad would select the pig or Don. Uh, would select the pig that we were going to kill. And whenever we could afford it, and that seems to be a stretch statement, but it's true, when we could afford shells, 
uh, Don or Dad would shoot the pig between the eyes to kill it. And when we didn't have money for the shells, they hit it with a sledgehammer between the eyes, and that brought him down. Or, and then we would hook the pig to wire stretchers on the back leg and pull him up into the tree. And uh, then we'd put a barrel under, fill the barrel with water and, and build a fire under the barrel and then lower the pig into the barrel, pull it up. Then we would dump the water and we'd let the pig down and we would scrape the pig. Did you do some scraping? No, I don't remember that. I remember the time I would get outside that um, the pig would be hanging mm-hmm. up high, usually in a big tree out in the barnyard, I remember. It was usually already skin ready to go because we were in the house getting things ready. Did your sisters go down and see all that? You know, I don't think so. Some of my sisters will say, hey, just a minute, we were down there with you, but but it took a lot of scraping because usually our pigs were pretty good size and you'd scrape all the hair off. And then, of course, you'd want to hang the pig with the back feet up so that you could uh, rip in there with a knife and start cleaning the entrails and uh, getting that all cleaned out and everything. But that's a good question. We'll have to check with them and to see if the girls ever participated in uh, butchering of the pigs. The girls were supposed to be staying in the house learning how to sew, to be 4-H girls and make dresses and skirts and that. And that absolutely turned me off. I didn't like any part of that. And I always wanted to show something at 4-H. There were very few girls that I knew that were in 4-H except in the sewing part and that part. And that just didn't mean anything to me at all. So I remember when Kelly and Chelsea got old enough that they did go and had 4-H and showed their calves at the uh, Franklin County Fair. And I always lived my life through them at that time because I thought that was so neat. We had a uh, calf, newborn calf. Of course, on the farm, we raised all of our meat, and uh, so every animal was of great value. And this calf uh, got the scours. Dad checked. It said that the best medicine for the scours was to get a raw egg down the calf. Well, how do you get a raw egg in the calf's mouth and the calf to swallow? And Dad and I wrestled around with that calf for, I'd say, a half a day, trying to get that egg down. And every time he'd put an egg into the calf's mouth, it would fall out. So dad said, get that broom over there and see if you can kind of guide the egg. So he held the calf and put the egg in and I took the broom and I, (laughs) it's not funny, but I rammed the broom down the calf's mouth and the calf gulped a couple of times and flopped over. It was dead. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You should have come to my dad's house and borrowed his wooden spoon he had a very and i can see it now and i think i must have seen it when we went back to clean out their house he used to use it too later on in life to put some kind of medicine in a horse's mouth but it was a long handled wooden spoon 
really smooth. And anytime he had to do that, he would just stick that in a horse's mouth or in a calf's mouth and hold down the tongue and then just boop and it went. So you needed my dad's wooden spoon. Where was Roy Payne whenever I needed him? I know. So here laid the calf, plenty of good meat for our table. And I said to dad, oh, well, we'll go ahead and butcher. Now I was eight, I wasn't very old, but I, I was assuming that we would go ahead and butcher that calf. And dad looked at me and he said, no, no. He said, we prepare our meat for slaughter and then we cut it up and we eat it. We're not going to eat this calf. And we took it down, and we dug a hole, and we buried it. Yeah, he must have thought there was something wrong with it. It had the scours. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably your first hint. Yes, I think he made a wise choice. Happy as a pig in mud. Do you ever hear that? No, no, I don't think so. When people are really happy, you know, and especially farmers, they, yeah. they think about happy as a pig in mud. I've heard of that one, a hard row to hoe. Yes, I have heard that one. We use that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it uh, referring to? Oh, gosh, just anything that was tough to do, a chore on the farm. And also one that, oh, that's a good one, too. One that we said all the time was pray with a hoe in your hand. Oh, yeah. That was uh, one of our favorite. We couldn't understand how some people on the farm, very few, would pray for a rain or pray for this. And, and my dad would always say, well, you're supposed to pray with a hole in your hand. You're supposed to get out and work. Things will come. God blesses those who work at it. How about uh, beat a dead horse? Yes. And the picture you have on your computer is a horse race. And uh, <laughs> that uh, makes me think of my dad's time in, um, in the quarter horse racing business. Yeah, beat a dead horse. Dead horses aren't going to go anywhere. <laughs> a lot of great times on the farm. Oh, yes. I loved it. Yeah, I'm a farm girl. Well, it's time to get to hoeing. Get to hoeing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> get out here in the backyard and hoe another row. Oh, yes. That'd be fine. The uh, major advantages of editing. Oh, is to edit all this out <laughs> so far? Okay. Well, I just didn't know where you were going with this. Usually I can have a sense and a reply to you, but this was kind of like it dropped dead before it got to me. <laughs> so it was like... Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like closing out the uh, podcast for today. Yeah. You need to feed me a line in order for me to talk. Yeah. Honey, I have fed you a line for 40 years. That's the truth. I'll buy that one. <laughs> That's a saying you've had <laughs> for 40 years. Say goodnight, catfish. <laughs> oh, goodnight, bluegill. <laughs> I love you. I love you too.